Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. We're certainly happy to have you join us today. We've got a great guest all the way from Austin, Texas. And if you're watching the YouTube channel, you can tell I'm showing my love by wearing my Austin Speed Shop cap. Our guest is Jamie Ivey. She's the creator and host of the popular podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. She's also co-host of The Relevant Podcast with my bud Cameron Strang down there in Florida. If you haven't checked those two podcasts out, make sure you do so. Uh, Jamie is also the author of the book, If You Only Knew, and a new book she's authored to be dropped October 1 of this year, 2020, UBU. So make sure you pre-order that book, UBU. So great guest today. Uh, Jamie is an Enneagram 6. We really get into some good stuff on the Enneagram 6. So I know you're in for a treat. Without any further ado, here's the host of our show, Ian Crow. Jamie Ivey, welcome to Typology. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show, and I'm not going to reveal why uh, until I ask this question, which is, tell us when and how did you learn about the Enneagram and figure out your type? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, So I learned about the Enneagram, I would like to say, three or four years ago handful of years ago, and just started really listening, read the books, listened to the podcast. And for me, discovering that I was an Enneagram type six came when I read um, The Road Back to You and looked at all of the, all of the, here's how you might be, you know, the beginning, you know, you you know, hello, Mm -hmm. the beginning of the book where it lists (laughs) all the things out, you know. Um, And then I just went through all of them and kind of dove into each number and then really landed on the Enneagram six, because I just saw this is who, this is my life. This is the story mm-hmm. of my life when I read about it and I knew it was. And I'm so grateful for it, you know? Um, I'm so grateful for the knowledge and understanding because it helps me understand myself better. And then I think it helps my my husband understand me better as well. Hmm. And he's an Enneagram three, right? He is an Enneagram three, wing four. Okay. And I'm a wing seven. Interesting. Yeah. We could, we could, that that might be worthy of conversation. At, at, at Bring it on! Point, I will right? I will ha- I will gladly sit here for this free counseling session if you'll give it to me. Uh, yeah. Well, the, you've just revealed the reason I'm so excited. I love Enneagram sixes. We're your favorite. Oh man! You're one of oh. Ask Anthony. We love the sixes. Tell me why. We love sixes. Well, I I really can't explain entirely why well because sixes are earthy they're practical they're typically very funny yeah um they you know um when they're healthy their anxiety produces a lot of great stories yes yes <laughs> totally <laughs> and we I'm don't so glad don't, that our anxiety can do something for the world <laughs> Oh, it totally can. Well, how did you feel when you discovered you were a six, the loyalist? I felt um, I felt seen a little bit um, mm. because it can feel crazy sometimes. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all, but it can feel a little unsettling. I, I remember oftentimes I'll say things to my husband out loud and he'll literally look at me and go, I've never want, at one time in my entire life thought about that. And I said, I think about it every single day. And Wait. so, I mean, you know, a classic example is it, we, we love going downtown Austin with our kids. We have teenagers. So it's not like, I'm not like chasing toddlers around, but I don't think right. I've ever walked downtown with my children and not ima- right. like fully from the beginning of what I'm about to tell you to the end, like I'm going to go home and see Jesus. I've gone the whole way of a car swerving off the road and hitting our entire family. And so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just always aware of, is that car, does he look like they're paying attention? And I'll tell Aaron that. And he's like, I've, I've never thought that. And I am so sad that that is your experience when we walk downtown Austin with our family. Uh, but you know, for me, it gave me a lot of, oh, this is why my brain works this way. But I'll tell mm-hmm. you this, um, as a six, what I've learned is that 
for me, it helps me that when I think that, I, I don't get into like this panic and, oh my gosh, I can't even go downtown. I just go, okay, well, that would really suck. All right, where are we going to go eat dinner? Like I kind of just, I can bounce out of it. And I don't know if that means I'm healthy or not, or if it just means I'm, I don't want to sit in those thoughts. But they come often. And when I discovered I was a six, it made me not feel so guilty about the thoughts. Mm. Just, you know, like yes, I can I, have them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the, the Enneagram initially... The the initial, I think, um, thing that fan, you know really sort of captures people's imagination is oh this explains so much, mm-hmm. and uh, this explains the, these past behaviors um, in a way that makes me feel like I'm not alone. There are other people who do the very same thing. In fact, I can tell you I did a workshop in Tribeca about i don't know three years ago and when i was talking about sixes a woman started laughing in the audience and i had to stop and say why are you laughing and she said because while i was walking over here i was imagining a a van full of explosives coming up on the sidewalk (laughs) trying to run me over and planning what building i would run into in order to Right? Is that the story, story of your life? Story of my life, yes. Planning what I would do if this happened. And to me, I like to say, you want to be with me when we're downtown. Right. You mm-hmm. want to yes. be with me because I'm going to know what to do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking about sixes, I always say, if, you, if you're ever attacked by killer bees, if you've ever like <laughs> wondered... How would I jump out of a burning building into a dumpster? Uh, then you need to talk to an Enneagram 6 because they have already thought through the contingencies. They know exactly what to do in those situations. So, you know, it's so everybody true. got a role in the world, it's right? It's so true, yes. My son is a 6, and he's 18, and he's really he's struggled with fear. And one of my encouragements for him has been to not try to bury the fear but to let it blow through him and inform him because the gift of fear is faith and wisdom i mean he's one of the most prepared people that i know mm. it's it's bad when it goes toxic but if it's informing you and leading you to faith and wisdom man, it's a blessing and that's what makes you six is a blessing to us all Love yeah that. for sure so there are two variants of sixes as you know there are Phobic sixes and counterphobic sixes. It sounds like you're a phobic six. You know, I don't have a lot of knowledge in this, but I think that you're telling me the same thing other people have told me. Mm. Okay. So the phobic six is actually in touch with their fear. They know, and it's not fear as much as it is anxiety. Mm -hmm. So anxiety meaning it's like this vague sense of apprehension that something could go wrong and but and it's in the air you know it's kind of just colors the water for the phobic six but the phobic six knows it's there the counterphobic six Mm. actually doesn't know that Fear is the passion underlying their life. So they're actually out of touch with their fear. Um, And that can, you know, has its own set of problems, right? Because they may become aggressive um, and move toward what they perceive as the source of their fear in a really aggressive way as a way of coping with it. Like you are a flight six, Right, you, you you're in touch with your your stuff. You know you're scared. You flee. One hundred percent. Whereas the counterphobic six will fight the yeah. source of their fear. Yeah, feeling fearless when in mm-hmm. fact they're actually quite quite afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think we've already nailed down your type uh, with great clarity. Six with you are a phobic six with a seven wing. One hundred percent. 100 percent i mean why not I yeah mean, yeah yeah it's, it's a wonderful thing yeah so for for newbies to the enneagram who are listening the unconscious motivation of the six loyalist is a need to feel safe to uh secure uh and supported um so the ever-present passion that drives the six's way of acting thinking and feeling is fear right which they experience as anxiety 
And the virtue that would counter the deadly sin or what we call the passion of the six is courage, right? To some people it's faith, and we can have a conversation about that. But um, uh, that's kind of a, a snapshot of what's happening inside of the sixes world a lot of the time. Does that sound pretty accurate? It sounds really accurate. And, you know, I think um, whenever I discovered thinking and learning about the Enneagram, it also helped me with thinking how I handle friendships. And so mm. for me, meeting a new friend um, is you know, I used to joke, I, I met some of my closest friends. I met them probably like 10 years ago, and we've been really close ever since then. But I said to one of them, um, I said, that's scary meeting new people because I don't know if I have space in my life for new friends. But I also am super cautious when I meet new people. If mm-hmm. someone comes to me, and this is not their fault at all, but if they're like so nice, they're like the nicest person you ever met, they're so kind, they talk to you so sweet. I have red flags coming out my ears because it scares me to death. I'm like, I don't know if I can trust your niceness. You know what I mean? And I've heard other people say that who also would identify as being an Enneagram 6 that they feel the same way. And so it's almost, and and thank goodness I've given these nice people a chance that are still in my life because I've come to realize, oh, you're actually really that nice. But there's a part of me when I meet someone that goes, this has to be fake, and I don't really know if I want to be a part of this. And so I wonder yes. if that's that whole, like, to be secure, I need to know that you're not going to hurt me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very common. Sixes are not naturally trusting people. Like, there, mm. there's a suspicion that other people have a hidden agenda. And they're not sure what the hidden agenda is. But And, and then they'll go into kind of doubt and questioning mode, right? And they may question the person, it, you know, they'll wait it out. Like, I trust pretty quickly. In fact, I would argue I trust people too quickly and I have paid the consequences for it before, okay? Yeah. Um, whereas a six can wait too long to trust someone mm-hmm. because it's almost like the loyalty test is going on. Is this person safe? Is this person going to hurt me? Does this person have a hidden agenda? Like when I'm doing workshops, here's how I know I have a six. They don't usually sit in the front row. That's usually more aggressive numbers, threes, sevens. Well, sevens like to sit near, near the exit so they can get out if it's boring. <laughs> but, but the six will usually start with their arms crossed like this and their legs crossed as though like they're, they're in defense mode. And usually it takes about two hours before their arms come down and their legs uncross and they start kind of, their body language starts to get more relaxed. Mm -hmm. And because they particularly have trouble trusting authority figures. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I'm the authority figure. And they want to know, am I trying to pull the wool over their eyes? I think about that in church settings for me. If I go to a different church or there's a new someone that's coming in and preaching, I always get, like think, I'm going to need to hear a couple of sermons because I don't really know where you're going or what your agenda is or what you're trying to do. And I can see that with, you know, I've always w- wondered, I, I know that about the authority stuff and I've kind of thought to myself, do I do that? I don't know. But as you were telling that story, I was like, I do that in church settings, whereas I need mm-hmm. to know what are you going to teach about so that I can trust you to see if I believe what you're saying. And sometimes I hate that. I'm like, Jamie, just listen to what they're saying. Like, come on. Um, but I guess it's a good thing. It can be, right? You you have a critical filter that, that says, uh, well, I'm not, I don't have complete buy-in here. I, I've got to sort of wait until I have more data or what a six will do at times, is go around and ask other people what they think of the person speaking or of something or an event. You know, should I go? Should I not go? Should I like this person? Should I not like this person? Should I get progressive or should I get all state? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like... 100%, yes. Yeah, because, and this is part of the spiritual work of the six, right? Which is learning to trust themselves. Mm without having to go to lots versus trusting everybody else but themselves Mm -hmm. to make a decision. Yeah. I see that in my somebody or something. I see that in my work life a little bit. I told you I don't know if I told you this when we were recording, but my right hand person that does 
all, all that work with me. She's an Enneagram three. My husband's an Enneagram three. Another woman who's worked on my team before Enneagram three. And so I feel like I'm surrounded by Enneagram threes. And I, whenever I feel so proud of myself, and this sounds so dumb, but whenever I feel, and I'm in charge here, like I'm the boss of this ship over here. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> but the, boss when, I'm the boss. But when I feel so proud of myself and work is when I make a decision that I didn't run through other people. And I'm not saying that I, that you shouldn't run through things through other people because you should, because I believe in collaboration, all those things. But usually it's me sending a text to Lindsay, a text to my husband, a text to my friend, Amanda, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? And then I take whatever they say. And that's my answer. And so whenever I'm like, you know what, Jamie, you can make a decision without asking everybody else. And when I do that, I have a little celebration over here in my office for myself. Yeah, totally. Here's the thing that sixes need to do. Sixes tend to forget past successes when they do make decisions on their own. It's like, I almost have to tell sixes, would you please keep a success journal? Like, <laughs> like you so can that, do this. Yeah, you can really do this. You have made decisions in your life before without the help of other people. And like you, I'm like, you know, I I go and seek counsel from other people on big decisions. Um, but, but sixes do it sometimes uh, in a way that's a little frenzied. It's like, you know, I'm checking with too many people and then a lot of time goes into making the, the decision and it can drive other people nutty too because then the six procrastinates about making the decision um, until you know something tips and they feel like they've they've had um uh you know you know some sort of revelation about what it was that what it is that they're supposed to do yeah so you're you had a debut book it was called if you only knew my unlikely unavoidable story of becoming free i want you to tell folks about it you know that book was uh, i don't know if you felt this way Ian, but if you were like okay you get one book to write in your whole life and that's it you're done um that was it for me and thankfully i have you know more books in me but that was it it was this story of me kind of talking what it felt like to be a Christian um, and have a past that maybe church girls wouldn't normally have. And again, I'm not like a part of the mafia or Robin Banks or anything here. So some people would be like, it's not that big of a deal, things you're dealing with. But I had a lot of just um, stuff in my past that I felt a lot of not guilt because guilt is different and okay and fine and dandy and it leads to great things, but I had a lot of shame over. And so I had to work through that. And then I married a pastor and had to work through what it looked like and had to tear down a bunch of lies about what it meant to be a good woman who follows Christ. And so for me, it was this journey of becoming free, becoming free to be the person that God made me to be, uh, becoming free to not have to think like, oh, I can't believe I did all those things because okay, I did all those things. And you know, here I am, this is what I am. So it was this journey for me. So that book was really important for me of just walking through all of the ways that I had grown to let go of shame, really, and to embrace the person that I was. Okay, are we talking when when you say uh, this past, you know, people are sitting, you know, in their cars right now, or wherever, wherever they're listening to this podcast, and they are now rehearsing in their mind, is she describing a lifestyle of sex, drugs, and rock and roll? <laughs> is she, what, what, what is it that you tell in the story? Yes, that, that, that lifestyle, except for, I was always too scared to do drugs, because I thought I would, I'd be the one person that died from, you know, the, the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> from the marijuana. <laughs> this is maybe where my Enneagram Bad trip like, on marijuana. Yeah, maybe that's where my, that's the only drugs I was ever around. But maybe that's where my Enneagram 6 came in because I was like, I surely will die if I do this. So um, I said yes to a lot of other things. But yeah, I mean, sexually active at a young age. Um, I got pregnant twice in college. And again, these things are not the most grand, hard things that someone can walk through. But they were my story and they were really hard for me. And then coming in and then becoming a Christian after that and feeling like, and I grew up in the church, so it's not like I didn't have a, a moral compass within me. And so that was what I had to deal with was, how do I kind of think through that I had a moral compass and the things that I were doing, that I was doing, I do think were wrong and against what God would want me to do. And now I'm going to carry on my life. And so, again, as a 42-year-old woman looking back, I can say with a lot of confidence, you know, those days were really hard because I was 
18, 19, 20 years old. Um, And God met me there, but I still had to do a lot of work of not letting what culture and maybe even church culture would say about a girl like me. That's probably where I had to do the most work Mm. was not believing the lies that actually some people would think um, about a girl who grew up in church and ended up making some of those choices. Hmm. And they're not very, I mean, the drug thing is a sixth choice, right? It's like, if I do hallucinogens, I will spend the rest of my life in, a, in, in an asylum. Yes. Right? Yes. I will never get my brain back, you know, <laughs> that sort of a thing. I needed more six as, an, as a younger man, Anthony. I, I, needed, I needed more well, six Well, I laugh because life. it kept me from doing, like, drugs, but, I mean, I don't want to be too, like, pru- I mean, Whatever. I did a lot of other things like that I also should have been scared of as well. There's that. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting about phobic and counterphobic because people do tend to think of them as, okay, there's a phobic six and there's a counterphobic six, right? When in reality, they operate on a continuum. So I think all sixes have both in them. And there are sometimes when they're more fearless, and then there's sometimes they're too fearful, and and it kind of goes like this. You may have been in that. First of all, your executive function at that particular moment in your life was basically not not exactly. online. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, an, another piece of it is, <clears throat> you may have been at that moment in your life, you know, swinging more toward the counterphobic six, where it you may have been just flipping the bird off uh, on your upbringing. You may have been. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It may For have sure. Been out of touch with your fear and doing things that you should have been a little bit more apprehensive about yeah i can see that in my i can see that journey of moving more towards a phobic six for sure you know after 20 years of living life and now parenting four children and married all those things kind of not only do they make you just settle down in general but they have led me i think to be more aware of things that i think in my life i should be fearful of and so i have grown definitely more close on that path uh to more of a phobic six for sure Okay, so what? What's your husband's name? Aaron. Aaron. Okay, so he's a three. He's a three. You're a six, right? Mm-hmm. What What are some of the tensions that maybe we could say through the lens of the enneagram? What are the some of the tensions you experience being married to a three? And then I'll guess some. Okay, I'll give you a funny one first. We'll start there, so I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. I'll give you a funny one, um, and. You'll have to tell me if this feels like an Enneagram thing or not, Enneagram 3 thing or not, because I think it is. Um, My husband, Aaron, is not concerned with like, um, like getting correct details and stuff, right? When he's talking or telling a story, like he's just like, well, I mean, it could have been, there could have been 50 of us there. And I'm like, well, there were three people there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I feel like when he tells stories, I always think people are going to think that we're liars. Like, this is what I, people are going to think that we don't tell the truth. And he thinks, well, I mean, I can't really remember. So I just said 10, like it could, you know, it could have been whatever. And that's always funny to me because I always am like his fact checker and it drives him crazy. I mean, it absolutely drives him crazy. So that's one of the things. Um, I think one of the, biggest things that I've seen as far as him relating to me as a six is I think it can be exhausting to live in my own head I know that because I live there I think it can be exhausting to hear what's happening to an Enneagram yep. six's head and so we've grown and learned a lot in the fact that I don't feel like I have to tell him everything I'm thinking you know whereas I used to tell him every fearful anxious thought that I have and it, I think it wore him down because I think he was yeah. like, are you, are we really still de- talking about this? And yeah. I have learned that I can still be safe and I don't have to say it out loud every time. And he has learned that when I say it out loud, that his response actually means a lot. And his response mm. used to be, um, that's really dumb. Like, I don't know why you would ever imagine that happening. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And that would really hurt me because to me, it was the realest thing I could imagine. Uh, and so he's had to learn to talk different to me. And I've had to learn that I don't have to tell him every crazy fear that comes into my head. It's okay. I don't have to do it. So that's right. kind of a growth thing that we've had. Um, you could maybe tell some other things that you think happen. Well, I mean, you just actually kind of mentioned one that was interesting, which is, you know, Whenever I meet a church planter who's a three, 
right? And I'll say, how was church on Sunday? Oh, it was killer, man. We had, you know, 150 people there. I know right away there were 35. <laughs> totally. <laughs> the sales hat just went on. There were 150 people there. That's why you should have been there. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And Count it's the kids and the visitors of, twice. Yeah, yeah. He's just, yeah, he's just counting the cards three yeah. times, you know. Totally. Um, and and I think the other thing is is that's a slightly chameleon like behavior. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like presenting yourself in a light maybe better or exaggerating details that make you look better. Mm-hmm. And for a six, that's really hard to hear mm-hmm. because that doesn't sound trustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like Mm, that sounds like you're just kind of not being upfront with people, and that would really bug a six. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think another thing is is threes tend to be optimistic and um, can do oriented. So a six sometimes for a three might feel like a wet blanket. You know, like on their dreams, we can do this, we can do that, you know, we can do this. The six is going, yeah, but we have, you know, these many kids and we don't have that kind of money. And we, mm-hmm. and the three is going, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'd say the third thing that's interesting about threes and sixes uh, is something that I've never spoken about, Anthony, that we need to do on the show one time, yeah. which is that every, you know, different types have different orientations to time. So fours, fives, and nines are past-oriented thinkers in terms of time. I, I won't go through the reasons why, but they, they, tend to, they're, they're, they tend to spend a lot of time thinking about the past. Threes, sevens, and eights spend a lot of time thinking about the future, right? We're going to do this. I got plans for this. And, you know, sevens are like planning and thinking about the next, you know, new escapade. And, you know, eights are very also for different reasons focused on the future once twos and sixes are very present oriented uh which we're going to get to because i know that living in the present right is sort of a a feature of of your new book or a conversation around you know how to live faithfully in the present moment but you know it's like when you have two different orientations to time it can create conflict in a relationship if you don't know that that's how it is yeah like, like you're in the moment thinking, like you're very um, vigilant about what's happening right now in this moment and kind of, you know, like this. Your husband is not in this moment. Like, like he is out there. He's somewhere. ahead of us, right? He's like thinking he, ahead about what's going to happen here. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And when you think ahead, it's usually because, you know, oh, I've got a book coming out in October 2020. <laughs> I wonder how the launch is going to fail. You know, all the <laughs> different ways wrong? it could be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. What's going to go wrong? Exactly right. So you have a, a book dropping October 2020. It's mm-hmm. titled UBU. So tell us about that book. Yeah, this kind of came out of after I, I launched that first book. And, and you probably understand this as well. And, and people listening would get this too, that you know you kind of write what you've been through, what you're feeling through, what you see as a need out there. And I started seeing this need of women constantly wanting to be someone else. Um, and really, I don't think they would have said that, but what they were yearning for was someone else's success, someone else's status, someone else's leadership. Um, and so it really started got me thinking about how many times do we not trust the gifts and talents and and leadership and vision and influence and fill in the blank that we've been given by God right where we are and we just want what someone else has and so this concept of chasing faithfulness over success um, is where this book came from and just wanting women to know I mean, not to be Debbie Downer here. <laughs> this is such a sixth thing when I'm about to say. You only get one life, guys, and then it's gone. Um, you know, in fact, here's fun. You'll think this is funny, Ian. I, when I turned in my manuscript, the very first line I told my husband, and he's like, they're never going to let that be the first line, Jamie. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to turn it in anyways. Who cares? The very first line was, death is coming for us all. And um, <laughs> they quickly moved that a couple paragraphs down because... Nobody wants to put out a book for women called UBU that starts with death is coming for us all. <laughs> but 
And you don't know when. Exactly. <laughs> Get ready. Exactly. Get ready. Plan for it. So think here, about this, it. Is that not totally like some of how I think in my life is death is coming. But the point was, all joking aside, is I do really want people to realize. And, and you know, in fact, two years ago, from the day we're recording this, uh, not when it's released, but when we're recording, I lost a friend really suddenly. And it kind of was this moment of, I look at her life and I would say she lived her life really well to the best that she could with everything God had given her. And in my eyes, I'm like, she died way too soon. But it made me realize I want that to be said about me when I'm gone, is Jamie lived every day to the best of her ability to be faithful to what God had given her. And so that's where this whole thing came from. Mm. And it does mm. not start with death is coming for us all. But that line is in there. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not the first one. <laughs> that is so funny. So let's turn toward parenting for a second, because, you know, um, parenting creates a lot of anxiety, whether you are a six or not, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's an anxious occupation, right, as Mm -hmm. we watch our children grow. So what's, you have four kids, three kids? I have four kids. Four kids. What's that's a lot of kids, Jane. I know, right? It is a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just back that up. Yes. Okay? That's a lot of kids. Yes, Jane. and they're um, teenagers, so they're eating a lot of food these days. Oh, my gosh. You need two fridges. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Enneagram 6 parents and what your experience is of, of parenting. You know, parenting, I always say that I probably will say at the end of my life, I don't know, I, I hopefully have some more to go here, but parenting has been one of the the hardest things for me. Um, and I think it brings me a lot of emotional and spiritual stress. And I think that's why it feels so difficult. It's also one of my most favorite thing. We have teenagers. I love, we, we're watching movies at night. Like it's fun, right? But right. it is the hardest emotionally and spiritually for me right now because I feel like there's so much on the line. I mean, there's so much at stake. We have 12 to 16. So they're in these formative years right before we launch them out. Um, but another thing, another layer on top of just being a mom to four teenagers is that three of our kids joined our family through adoption and all three of those children are black. So that's already hard. And then you, you know, you add on all of the things that our country is awakening to and seeing are things that we've been talking about in our home for the past 15 years that we've been parenting children of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but that stress for me, and I, and I always be really clear to say that black women have had this stress for decades and decades and decades. So this is, I'm a white woman. This is a new thing for me. But I do wonder sometimes if it's exasperated because of my tendency towards fear and anxiety. Uh, I do know for sure, no matter what your Enneagram number is, as a black woman, if you have children, you probably do live in a lot of anxiety and fear in our country. Mm. But for me, that's been something that I've had to really work through. And I think Aaron helps me out a lot with that because he has those same fear and fear and anxieties, you know. And so for him, it's almost like this balance is if I can take my fear and anxiety and put it up to his, it almost helps me see like, okay, this is a this is worth the fear and anxiety if he's feeling it as well, if that makes sense. And then the mm-hmm. other stuff that's I would call like extra fear and anxiety that I still have to work through and I still have to talk to and deal with. But I can also realize this might not be, it might be a little extra for me just because of the way I see the world. Does that make sense? Sure. So it's aggravated a little bit by your sixth temperament. Right, right. But I don't think that it's, it would be there still is what I'm trying to say because of the world we live in and because my children are black and I'm white and all of the things that go into that. But, you know, that's difficult for me, the constant like wondering and worrying and trying to prepare my kids for scenarios without scaring the crap out of them. I mean, that that's a hard place. And it's a it's a line I'm having trouble figuring out how to live. But we're just trying the Mm -hmm. best we can over here. And that's all you got. Yeah. The best you can. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it sounds to me like, yes, you're a six so that the reality of raising black children in a racially divided, um, racist, um, policing, you know, the whole, you know, the whole thing is founded, right? It's not an unfounded fear. Right, right. Um, but your sixth temperament or way of being in the world 
um, has exacerbated, mm-hmm. you know, or not exacerbated, but um, given you an added layer of tension and yeah. stress, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of it. Um, and like every other parent, you know, we, we, we do the best we can with what we have. I agree with you. I think black mothers have had to deal with this um, all of their lives. And, and, and hopefully all of us who have not are gaining in recent months a revolutionary mm-hmm. understanding of what that's been like for a significant segment of our population. 100%, and I've actually, you know, when I to think about the good parts of our, our Enneagram numbers and the way that we view the world, I've thought many times over the last 10 years um, that I'm thankful for the way that I have this little added anxiety and fear because it would honestly be really easy as a white woman, even with what we see on the news and everything, to think, well, that won't happen to my kids because my kids are quote-unquote good kids or my right. kids are respectful or my fill in the blank of what you could come to conclusion of. And the way that I see the world, the lens I see the world through, it helps me become way more empathetic and, and relate to black women who have been raising black kids for over the years because of those added fears that I have. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It it has helped me relate more because again, I'm never going to be black. And so I can't 100% fully get it. But the way I see the world has helped me be a better mom to my kids. And that way I believe that to be true. You know, sometimes uh, sixes are called, well, we would say that sixes deal with their anxiety through pessimism. Sevens deal with their anxiety through optimism. Um, and But there are times when a six, I think, has to determine, is this pessimism or realism? Mm-hmm. And so I think in this situation, what you're describing is a realistic fear. Yeah. It, it's not like based on sort of so a pessimistic worldview. It's based on, hey, listen, I, I know what's happening yeah. out there. I, you know, I know what could happen. And so I have to be a realist and prepare my children for the reality that, um, you know, they are vulnerable in the world in a way that white boys and girls are not. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so that I think is good parenting. It's realism, obviously, as long as you do it in a way that doesn't create such un. Um, how would I say it? Uh, the kind of fear in your children that you don't want them to have. Right. Mm-hmm. I want it to you be know. a healthy. I want it. To, I want them to not go into the world blindly. Right. Mm -hmm. Is what I want. I don't want them to show up at college and be out of our house and all of a a sudden go, wow, my parents never expose me to this parts of the world. Because as a parent, you know what I want to do is I want to not let them know about anything. I want them to act like this could never happen to them and they're, everyone in the world is awesome and kind and going to treat everybody the same. That's what I want them to know. But... That would be a disservice to them when they leave my house than to experience the real world. And so I want them to be exposed and aware, and I want them to be agents of change. And so that's kind of what we're doing over here. We're trying. Mm. Yeah, we, we uh, both our daughters went to all-girls schools their whole lives. And I made the mistake, just it was not conscious, it was just overlooked because it didn't even occur to me that when they went to college, it would be the first time they would go to school with boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of not telling my daughters, you know, there are bad guys out there. Mm. Y- you know what I mean? Yep. Like if they had gone to high school with boys, I could have said, hey girls, listen, there are predators and there are protectors. And you better make sure that whoever you find yourself with falls into the latter category, mm-hmm. not the former. Right. Um, and they had to learn lessons the hard way because we didn't prepare them for the reality that not all guys are bad, but some guys are. Right. And you you need to learn the difference, you know. Yeah, the real so, world. The real world. Yeah. And that would have been, you know, giving them a realistic, views, a realistic view of um, 
you know, the way the world is, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. way that the world is. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing with threes and sixes, by the way. You have very different definitions of success. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what is success for a six and how is it different from success for a three? <laughs> I think success for me would be like everyone liking me. <laughs> <laughs> no one's mad because at me. that would well hold on a second hold on a second because that would keep you safe a 100 percent. yeah mm. everyone liking me everyone liking my work um and i think aaron would not care if you liked him or not he would just want people to if we're speaking of you know creative works he would just want you to buy whatever it is you know <laughs> does that make sense and so it was like yeah. i don't care if you like me yeah. or not which he also he's a christian so we you know you add in like he, he does care but there's this idea of i'm it doesn't keep him up at night maybe i should say it that yeah. way yeah. um and for me um success would be do you like what i did do you like yes. do you like who i am yeah Hey, Typology Tribe, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for helping us bring you what I hope is great content every week. Now, you all know I'm a big proponent of counseling, so whether you feel like something is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving certain goals, counseling is a great tool to help identify what those blocks are and then work through them. Yet, you and I know Finding a therapist can sometimes feel intimidating, but not with BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers online counseling at your own time and your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus text and chat with your therapist when it's convenient for you. These are licensed professional counselors who specialize in things like depression, anxiety, stress, relationships, LGBT matters, trauma, and grief. BetterHelp has counselors available worldwide and have over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And get this. If you're not satisfied with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time at no additional cost. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. I want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash typology podcast. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Typology Podcast, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. There's a, in the Enneagram, we're... You're going to be talking about this in a course I'm releasing in October, but you know there are three instincts, right? Self self preservation, social, and uh, sometimes called sexual or bonding. And the social uh, instinct, if it's dominant, we all have them. They're survival instincts, so it's not like anybody you know doesn't have all three, but we tend to lean into one more than the others, right? And so I'm not saying you're a social six, but the social is, where do I fit into the herd? Because I don't want to be the limping impala at the back that gets picked off by the lions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so sixes are, are a little bit always kind of checking out, how am I doing? Is Where am I, in, I think, you know, in the herd? Because, because I know that safety can be found in the herd. Mm-hmm. If I'm thrown out of the herd for some reason, I'm more exposed yeah. to danger. And so what are you guys so good at? Forging alliances. Mm. You know, you, you guys, nobody can forge alliances like sixes can, you know. Um, in part, and, and nobody actually is as great as being like defenders of institutions and traditions. 
um, church, school, um, civic stuff. You know, they they're and that's partly because they're beautiful people, and is partly because those institutions keep them safe. And those relationships that they create, or those alliances that those forge, is a wonderful thing that sixes can do. But it's also because it's what keeps them feeling secure that I have this network of people in my life yeah. that you know I can count on mm-hmm. to protect me if things went sideways. Yeah, yeah. I can see that um, one of the things that I have grown to love about myself, and it feels weird to talk about yourself like that, but we'll just lay it out there. One of the things I've loved to, I mean, I've grown to love about myself is this kind of cheerleader aspect and this, Mm -hmm. I, and it's not fake by any means. And so I think I can say that, like, I love it about myself because I just really do love it is that I see, I have a lot of friends in the same sphere of what I do, podcasting, author, speaker, a lot of friends. And I say this with a, with like as much humility as I can. I am so excited and proud of every single one of them when they accomplish something. Like I really, truly am. And it feels a lot, I'll use the word since we're talking about it, it feels a lot safer to function that way with my friends than any other way. And I don't know if that's because of the Enneagram, you know, a six. Like that feels, it feels safer to me to be for everybody than it would be to try to beat everybody. Well, remember, you're called the loyalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and so it's no wonder to me that you would, like, for example, you would suck in a job where there was the kind of internal competition between you and your colleagues where there were winners and losers. Oh, yeah. I would just want us all to link arms and cross the finish line together. <laughs> exactly. Whereas a three, your husband would be much more comfortable in a situation where, let's say, there's 30 salesmen, and it's kind of a little cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they're they're competing with each other for the prize. Yeah. That would be far more natural for him. Like, sixes do terribly, usually, in companies or situations where they have to compete with others and win. Because it feels like they're not going to leave people behind. That yeah. doesn't feel loyal. Yeah, they're very faithful people um, in that regard, and it's part of what makes them one of my favorite numbers. Because we're good you know? friends too. Like we're going to be a good friend. Oh, to you. great friends! Yeah, great friends. And and even though it takes a six longer to establish friendship, once you say I do to mm-hmm. a a. a partner or to a friend it's for life it's so true it's so true i have i have a friend i'm thinking of right now her name is taylor and we would just run into is it each taylor other. swift i need oh, to know if it's no taylor but swift. no no not her but we would just, okay, just run sure. into each other around town at different functions or whatever and i would always see her and she was always so nice to me and i was like I don't know if I trust this Taylor girl. Like, she's so nice. And we would just all, we had mutual friends, so we would see each other. And that was probably five years ago. And now she's one of my closest friends because I I had to make a decision. I'm either going to let her in or I'm going to, like, not deal with this. And I made a decision to let her in. And she's one of my dearest friends. But I look back on that relationship and go, that is such an example of me having to take this so very slow because I wasn't sure what she wanted from me. Mm. And she wanted Mm -hmm. to be my friend. That's what she wanted from me was just to be my friend. And we are great friends now. And so it's interesting when I look back on even relationships, how they've been built. Some of my closest friends, they've all been through that same scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think it's part of the six's natural caution and their belief that everybody's hiding something. You know what I mean? And it's so it just sad, takes a but I do while. think that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. You know, I just so you know, though, there's an upside to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because guess what? There are people with hidden agendas, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you know this, like the, the more influence you have, uh, the more of a public personality you become, the more people you meet with hidden agendas, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, will sadly, trust myself. 
Yeah. You know, and also, yourself. my kids are going to come and be like, Mom, I'm going to Jackson's house to spend the night. I'll be like, I bet you're not. I'm about to call Jackson's mom right now. So go, I'm going to be not trusting these kids either. <laughs> That's right. And what are you going to be watching? Exactly. That night? And, uh-huh. Right. And, right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And, and what games are you going to be playing when you're there? Yep. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's all six material right there. I'm in it. And it's not a bad thing. Right. 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 In, in right. many ways, unless it becomes kind of neurotic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it becomes mm-hmm. you know i'm never letting my kids out of the house right until jackson comes over and gets a lie detector right. test I mean, exactly you know, and right. his parents <laughs> yeah, and his parents yeah. and the dog yeah and the dog yeah in case it's a biter yeah. we don't want a biter around right. the kids you know right all right everybody listen to me october 2020 jamie's got a new book coming out it's called ubu and for typology listeners you can learn more about Jamie's book and actually receive a free printable version from her team if you text the word FRIEND, I think it's all capitals, right, to 33777. Is that right, Jamie? That's right, yes. I will say it again as though I'm an announcer, a TV announcer. (laughs) Again, typology listeners. You can learn more about Jamie's book, UBU, and receive a free printable version from her team by texting FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D, I believe all caps, to 33777. Jamie, it's been a ball having you on. Guys, thanks so much. I love talking I love about all sixes. the crazy thoughts in my heads and all the things. You just said your head. So you do you have more than one head, Jamie? No, it just... feels like it sometimes. That's what it does. It feels like it. Are you anxious about having more than one head? Yes. <laughs> How can people learn uh, more about you and your socials and all of that stuff? Everything's over at jamieivy.com. I love Instagram. It's my favorite. I'm at jamieivy. And you can listen to my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching for so- The Happy Hour. The Happy Hour, which is a great podcast, now 25 million downloads. You're killing it out there. Thank you. We should have you on sometime. Well, uh, you know, when a six says that, I expect them to follow through because they're, it's true. You know, it's right. they're loyalists. I'd it's love right. to come on. Love to talk Enneagram. Love to on. talk about yep. life. So that would be fantastic. Well, much love to you and all of your fans, to your family, and... Uh, I just wish you all the the success in the world. The launch of a new book is always the beginning of a season of lunacy. I know it well, and uh, but thank also you. great joy and excitement. Yes, thank so. you guys so much. Well, typology listeners, again, make sure you check out UBU by my friend Jamie Ivy. And until we are together again, remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde: "Be yourself." Everybody else is already taken. Until next time.